We've had several conversations already this year with NGOs who are struggling in the face of government funding cuts and the general depressed economic climate, of course, but specifically the issue of subsidies being cut from the Department of Social Development. You know, if you think back to those interviews we've done so far, in at least one case, that of Street Smart SA, the outcome has been the closure of the organization. Others are hanging on by their fingertips, just living from month to month. And unfortunately, every time I do one of those interviews... I get a flurry of emails from other organizations saying we're in the same boat. Can you help? We also need to put out an appeal for funding. Uh, there are so many NGOs that are just teetering on the brink at the moment. Reminding of the context here that hundreds of millions of rand in grant funding has been cut by National Treasury from the budget. That, of course, impacts how provincial departments of social development are able to allocate their subsidies to these organizations, many of which rely very heavily, if not exclusively, on that funding. And as one of the writers who wrote in about their organization put it to me earlier this month, across the sectors of NPOs, we are not united as often as we uh, we should be because we are often pursuing the same funding opportunities. So in times of crisis like these, we really struggle to form a collective voice. And that really struck me, the thought of all these different organizations not being able to work together because they're too worried that if they do work together, somebody else might get the funding that they are needing. So I thought today, let's speak to somebody who does have a collective voice, who is working as an umbrella organization and talk a little bit about what can be done collaboratively to address this question of the long-term survival of these NGOs. Joining us on the Zoom is Natalie Johnson, who is coordinator of the Western Cape Network on Disability, one of many organizations who are badly impacted by the pending uh, cuts in funding. Natalie, thank you so much for your time this afternoon and welcome to the show. Hi, thank you very much for having us on the show today. It's a pleasure. Natalie, just as a starting point, you are an umbrella body. How many members fall underneath that umbrella and roughly how many beneficiaries do they impact? Um, Currently, we have 92 members who are mostly organizations in the disability sector, and of those 92 are a few individuals as well. And through those members, we actually impact 84,642 beneficiaries indirectly. Sure. Okay. So it's a it's a large number of people who are potentially impacted if uh, even a few of your member organizations are brought to their knees by this mood. mood. And sadly, it's not it's more than just a few. Natalie, I know you've been doing extensive research into who receives what funding from which grants and to what sort of percentage of their income is dependent on those grants. How many of them would you say currently rely on funding very heavily, either from provincial or national uh, government? Well, um, if I was to include ourselves, there are uh, 22 plus ourselves, as I said. Um, So it's 23 organizations um, that would basically have to shut doors if funding is cut any further or if funding is um, uh, uh, taken away completely. Okay, so 22 out of the 92 facing imminent closure. I mean, we'll talk in a, in a minute, Natalie, about what that means in terms of impact on the ground. But let's just talk a bit more about the context here. I know letters went out in December warning NGOs that cuts are coming, that the National Treasury has announced these, these cuts, and that is going to trickle down through the provincial funding models. Did those come as a complete shock to most of your members, or was there a sense that th- this was coming? Had they been given sort of warning that you needed to start looking for alternative income streams? 
for most of us, it was a, a shock, um, us included, mm -hmm. to only receive it on the 8th of December, which is a time when most NPOs are preparing to shut down for the uh, December-January holidays. So we found it very unfair that, you know, a, a social development waited until such a, a, a crucial time to tell us. Um, I mean, December is also a time when staff in, uh, expect salary increases or bonuses or something like that. And, and there are so many in the NPO sector that haven't had an increase for six or seven years, mm. um, let alone annual bonus, you know, and yet we are the ones that are doing the work on the ground. Now, let's talk about the impact on that work. Natalie, um, if these cuts go through, and as you say, 22 of your members are forced to close doors, yourselves included, um, at this point, what will be the impact of that closure on your beneficiaries? Can you just spend a bit of time painting the picture for us of the kinds of services that will disappear, the kinds of interventions that will disappear from the lives of beneficiaries, and what the knock-on impact might be? Well, you have um, things like social services. Uh, it Educational programs for the beneficiaries and um, the knock-on effect would be their families and, and um, other stakeholders. There's the essential care. Um, essential care being your physiotherapist, occupational therapist, um, that ki other kinds of therapy. There's also the food security programs, support groups, agricultural pro uh, projects. Um, rehabilitative and health-related interventions. You've also got the vocational training, for example, mm -hmm. recreational programs, support groups, supported employment, daycare services, provision of transport, disability awareness programs in the community. Um, the list is endless. Mm -hmm. You know, that is just a few um, ideas of, of what is actually happening on the ground. And Natalie, if those services were to close their doors and, and go away, do you want to maybe paint the picture for us of where that might leave somebody living with a profound disability, for example, who might currently enjoy access to some kind of sheltered employment or to some kinds of, of job opportunities or craft skills uh, up, um, learning, medical interventions that you've mentioned? What would their reality look like if the NGOs offering those services had to close? Is there anybody else who can pick up the slack or does their reality shrink to sitting in the four walls of a home with nowhere to go and nothing to do and very little dignity and quality of life? For most people, it would equate to sitting at home, staring at four walls with nothing to do, nowhere to go, no one to speak to. Because as you know, um, these days, both parents or caregivers have to work. So... Uh, very few people can actually stay at home and take care of the little ones or, or, or older young adults. Um, implications from a physical point of view would be deterioration of muscle, uh, you know, muscle atrophy, uh, uh, not being able to be as mobile as, as they currently are. A sheltered or supported employment gives dignity to someone to, to earn some money to, to have a sense of dignity and self-worth. Um, yeah, what else? Mm. Uh, recreational programs, for example. Um, what, what would your life be like, for example, if you had nowhere to go, no, no social interaction yeah. with anybody? 
that that alone would give you an idea of what it would be like to sit at home all day with, with no interaction with other people. And no stimulation, that sense of isolation, the impact, the knock-on impact on mental health as well as physical health is, is too dreadful to contemplate. Now, Natalie, let's talk about what is to be done. I know your network has written a letter to the Provincial MEC for Social Development, Shona Fernandez, asking for her urgent intervention. I'm interested to, to, to discuss the strategy of approaching provincial. We understand national treasury slash these budgets, obviously that trickles down to provincial budgets. What do you hope Shona Fernandez might be able to do um, at a provincial level when the, the funding cut is essentially happening at a national level? Well, we are hoping that the MEC will will have some kind of influence into um, either changing the mindset around the cuts completely or at least having some kind of influence in reducing the impact, you know, that, that it might not be as severe as um, has been estimated up to now. Mm-hmm. So uh, we are patiently awaiting the MEC's um, response to our plea, Yeah, you know, in terms of what the final effect is actually going to be on us. But um, we won't know that until later in March, unfortunately. Okay, so you I know this is all fairly recent. You've you've held meetings in early Feb. You've done the survey work to determine the extent of the impact on member organisations and then collectively sent this letter. So, Natalie, I mean, the plea has gone out. Um, you wait in anticipation of an answer. In the meantime, though, I mean, it must feel like operating with the sort of Damocles hanging over your heads, not knowing whether nearly a quarter of your members will be in existence in a month or two from now. What other strategies are you trying? I mean, we talk at, at, I talked at the start of this interview about the need to find the collective voice to, to, to workshop together to find ways through this, this problem because recognizing that it affects every NGO in every sector just about. What other strategies are you thinking about or trying? Uh, I mean, I'm aware of the fact we're one day away from the end of the tax year, for example. Have you tried lobbying people one last time to make tax uh, tax deductible donations before the tax year ends? What else uh, are you trying? We are trying everything possible, um, ourselves included. We are looking for all um, other income streams that we can tap into, like you mentioned, the, the tax um, donation situation, as you just mentioned. Sorry, I'm a bit tongue-tied today. Um, yeah, so all organizations are basically doing the same and many of us are getting together and trying to find solutions, you know, as, as a collective mm. to see how we can reduce the impact because so many of us are living from day to day. We don't know what is happening. We are sitting in the dark. Um, we don't know if we're going to have a salary by the end of the month or the end of March. So um, it's a difficult question to answer right now. We, we are just doing what we can is the best way I can answer that question. Yeah. Natalie, I know you always feel a sense of great helplessness doing an interview like this, wanting to be able to offer solutions and say, how can our listeners help? For example, one of them has written in saying, I wonder how many people are out there who are retired, financially stable and wanting to give back, but simply don't know how to. Could they not help by spending a day with a disabled child at home, um, uh, for example, or would there be too much red tape involved? Is there anything that somebody who is in a comfortable position listening to this interview can do to help? 
We can always look at those options, Pippa, and I think the best solution for for those kinds of um, assistance would be to send us an email and then we can look at it each on its own merits and evaluate, uh, you know, the red tape involved and find out which organizations can benefit most from the help that is being um, offered. Okay. So in your case, um, Natalie, and let me just repeat for those who missed the beginning of the interview that you've been listening uh, to Natalie Johnson, who is coordinator of the Western Cape Network on Disability. It is, as the name suggests, an umbrella organization with close to 100 different members who work in the disability space. Natalie, if somebody is listening to this saying, well, I would like to help, can I reach out to you? What's the best way to do so? The best way to do so, Pippa, is either via WhatsApp. Um, I can give you our number. Please do. Or otherwise email, which uh, in both cases I'm as responsive as I possibly can be. Okay. So if I don't respond immediately, I will respond as soon as I possibly humanly can. Okay. And those details, please? Um, 061-602. 7256 is our office number and WhatsApp number. Okay. And um, email is info at W for Whiskey and C for Charlie Disability.org.za. WCDisability.org.za. Natalie, you know, again, I'm going to say it again. There's one day left of the tax year. If anybody is in the fortunate position of having some disposable income, which they could consider contributing and claiming back uh, from their tax affairs, please think of doing so today or tomorrow, a donation to any of the member organizations. I know would be very, very welcome. And if you feel you can help in kind in some way, please reach out to Natalie on info at wcdisability.org.za. Natalie, please keep in touch with us. Let us know uh, if and when you get a response from the MEC, if anybody comes up with strategies that might help to change this picture. It's just an awful feeling to think of all these organizations out there sitting hanging in anticipation of what is about to happen, knowing the important role that they play in our communities and knowing what the outcome will be if that work stops. It's too dreadful to contemplate. One hopes for a spark of hope anywhere. Please let us know if you see it anywhere. Thank you very much, Papa. And once again, thank you very much for the opportunity to speak to you and your listeners. It's a great pleasure to have had you with us this afternoon. And Natalie Johnson, coordinator of the Western Cape Network on Disability. If you're listening to this interview nodding because you work in perhaps another sector, but also in the NPO space, and you too are facing the prospect of seeing the bulk of your income disappear or being drastically reduced when these cuts take effect, and you want to talk to us about how that's going to impact your work, you're very welcome to give me a call on 021-446-0567 or uh, to uh, WhatsApp me on 072-567-1567. I've already had somebody contacting me saying, hey, I could help with art classes to offer stimulation for those who might be impacted. Thank you very much. I will, in the news break, send you the contact details that you can connect with Natalie directly. That offer is very, very gratefully uh, received.